Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast, Episode 46. episode is brought to you by joyfulcourage.com and the family meeting e-course. Are you ready to take your family to a whole new level? Are you ready for your children to solve problems while also practicing the social and emotional skills they will need to be cooperative contributing members of society? Okay, well that's what family meetings are all about and I have the perfect offer for you to get family meeting started in your family. Six weeks, six emails, everything you need to know to develop a routine that takes your family to the next level and improves the climate of your home. Family meeting e-course, joyfulcourage.com. Check it out. So excited to be welcoming Dr. Borba to the podcast. She is a globally recognized educational psychologist and parenting, bullying, and character expert whose aim is to strengthen children's empathy and resilience and break the cycle of youth violence. She's delivered keynotes and workshops to over 1 million participants on five continents and authored 24 books translated into 14 languages. Woo! Hi there, Michelle. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> I've been doing this. I've been wanting to meet you for so long, so thank you. Well, it's my honor to have you on the podcast. Please tell the listeners a little bit more about your journey to doing what you do. Oh, it's been a... I started as a special education teacher way back when, and somehow that trajectory just kept taking me in a different angle. Every time the phone would ring, I would go that way. And so from special education, uh, I went to starting to work with, certainly uh, on, on school shootings, uh, worked, uh, wrote a bill on how to stop and prevent school shootings. Bullying was a huge piece of that. Started working all over the world on bullying prevention programs. The most interesting of that was working with the Pentagon, who hired me to train uh, mental health counselors on 18 army bases overseas to help the kids. But perhaps the most important thing of where I learned anything of having three sons myself, then you become very humble. <laughs> yeah. That's that's come up a lot on the podcast where you're like, I know so much. And then you have your own children and it's like, oh, wow, I have a lot to learn. <laughs> yeah, but they keep you going and they're all it's all fun and everything has been a different trajectory. The, but probably the last 10 years, I have been absolutely on the most intense journey as to try to figure out the flip side. If we have school shootings and we have bullying, what would have prevented and stopping it? And uh, it took me to the killing fields, uh, genocide sites all over the world from Dachau, Auschwitz, Rwanda, uh, mm. Armenia, until uh, I finally realized that the whole answer is empathy. And if empathy tanks, we have a major problem, not only with our children, but with humanity. Yeah. That's where I'm at. Well, I'm so excited to talk about empathy with you. I speak into this so much with my own coaching clients, not only as the context of teaching their children how to be empathetic, but also in the context of finding empathy as a tool for their parenting practice. So can you share with the listeners a little bit about how you define empathy? Yes, 
empathy to me is feeling with someone. So it's an amazing, miraculous concept where you actually can step in or transport yourself and understand where that person's coming from. Doesn't mean you need to agree, but it means you understand. There's a lot of different parts of empathy. And when I wrote on selfie, I discovered that there were habits that make it up. So the most important thing is, no, there's an emotional side that tweaks your little heart and you feel it, you get sensitive, you watch that film and you start to cry. But there's also a cognitive part, perspective taking, where you can feel or understand the other person's needs or where they're coming from in terms of thinking. And they are miraculous moments because they help our children in so, so many ways that I had no idea of the depth of how it will impact resilience, mental health, real success, real happiness. In fact, a lot of the things that we're doing are absolutely 100% wrong and counter the concept of building empathy. And so I'm on a conversation to try to help parents go, hey, this is really the what we want our children to grow up to have. Yes, we want them smart in, in their minds, but we mm-hmm. also want them smart in their hearts. Yeah. Well, and so I teach positive discipline, and one of our our very first activity is having the parents first list all of their challenges and then shift their focus and think about their grown kids one day and what are the gifts, the skills, the traits that they hope that they one day embody. And empathy is always on that list along with kindness and compassion and problem solving and and all of that good stuff. So it it's on their minds, but I'm hearing what you're saying that some of the ways that we're practicing with our kids are actually not in not helping them to develop what they need to really truly be able to tap into empathy. Yeah. And and, and you mentioned your book Unselfie, so exciting that it's coming out really soon, June 7th, right? June 7th, it premieres on the Today Show. Time Magazine has just featured it uh, coming up. It's it's really resonating. So uh, people are getting it. They're seeing that, for instance, what we our big concern about uh, on Selfie when I was writing it was not only to figure out what does the latest science say that really will help us raise empathy, but also... I interviewed dozens and dozens of kids, and they gave me some of the best ideas I've ever heard. And then I went and visited classrooms all over the world. Mm-hmm. And what I came up with is not only is this doable, it's not something that is innate. We need to exercise our children's uh, empathy muscles so that they stretch those as well. But it's also something that we can cultivate as parents. We can't leave it for chance. It must be nurtured or it lies dormant. And I fear a lot of our children and us are in sleep mode these days. Yeah, and I I think that that's such an important message, right? That empathy isn't necessarily, you know, something that, oh, well, my temperament leads me to being more empathetic, but it's actually a learned skill. And we need, as the adults to be in an active practice of modeling, teaching, and practicing empathy. Yes. I, well, first of all, we know that from, from when I started looking at um, Holocaust rescuers, who mm-hmm. unbelievable research from social psychologists, and every one of them very, very altruistic. But when res, uh, individuals would ask them, psychologists, how'd you get that way? Every one of them said it was how I was raised. Mm. How so? It was how my my parents modeled it. I remember to my dying day, my dad being caring or my mother being caring. It was what they expected of me. No, we don't act that way. We are caring in this family. And so it was not a big deal to me when I went out to to rescue someone because that's just how I was. What happens is these individuals develop what's called a caring mindset, 
We talk a lot about a grit mindset, but boy, we're not so good at helping our children develop a, an inner view of themselves as a caring, social, responsible person. And those are messages that we can embed in our kids. And I love the title of your book. I live and love with a 13-year-old daughter. So the title Unselfie really, really landed with me because, man, well, she's got a lot of pictures of herself. They do. But the fascinating thing is the word selfie, you know, was chosen four years ago as the word of the de uh, the word of the year internationally because it was used so often. Mm -hmm. But I began to see a very big concern in how the title was chosen in that uh, I started looking at Jean Twenge's work, Sora Conrad's work. The, in the last 30 years, our children have dipped 40% in empathy while narcissism has increased 58%. That's mm -hmm. across the board. Every incoming college freshman has been given this really easy little narcissism personality test. Mm -hmm. And we're talking different zip codes, different genders, and the same thing across no matter which college you go to, 40% lower in, in empathy. I began to see what that was is really what's called the selfie syndrome. The mm -hmm. more you... Uh, the, the more we start focusing on me, the more we kill empathy because self-absorption kills it. So that's why I came up with, let's start raising unselfies, not selfies. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good to me. So talk a little bit about the process of learning empathy. Like you, we already have mentioned, it's not a skill that's developed overnight. If you were going to speak of the process, what what does that process look like? The process is uh, a womb-to-tomb scenario, first of all. So there's hope for us all. Yay! Yay! The second is that our children are hardwired for it at birth. says incredible studies coming out from Yale. But the third thing is, even at infants, we know that the first step to empathy is just, just attaching ourselves, just to being able to loving and uh, responding and being with our babies, because that's really the seeds of empathy. Around the age of one is when we start doing something else begins to happen, and that's called emotional literacy. And that would be, when I look at the nine habits of empathy, that's habit number one and so crucial. Our kids need to be able to look at mommy, look at daddy, look at friends and go, oh, she looks sad, mm -hmm. or he looks upset because look at how his, and then they'll be able to figure it out, his shoulders are slumped over, or she has tears coming down from her eyes, or her mouth is in a frown. Being able to read emotions from either the verb tone, the excuse me, the verbal tone, so that you hear it, the tone of voice, the body posture or language, or facial expressions is a key to empathy because you can't step in and go, I'm so sorry you feel that way. I'm going to do something to help unless you notice it. This podcast is sponsored by Factor. Are you old enough to remember TV dinners? They came in those tin trays and each part of the meal had its own little compartment. I remember eating those and watching Happy Days, followed by Three's Company, maybe a little Laverne and Shirley. I am that old. Well, the situation has been totally upgraded by Factor. Factor makes delicious, ready-to-eat meals. And unlike those quick meals of the past, every Meal from Factor is fresh, never frozen, chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including meals that are calorie smart, protein plus, and keto if that's your thing. Also, there's more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. 
In my last order, we got red chicken chili tamale bowls and Italian sausage pizza casserole, as well as other delicious meals that my family loved. Plus, there's breakfast and smoothies and all sorts of other add-ons to make life simpler while also keeping it healthy. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. They've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Right now, head to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use code joyful50 to get 50% off. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50 to get 50% off. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. And there goes the first danger of us all. The average child's plugged in around seven and a half hours a day. One third of our infants are now using tablets. And we too, very often are sitting side by side with our kids, but tuning into a digital device and not to each other. And so what we're seeing is that Our children are being robbed of the first crucial seed of emotional intelligence and also empathy because they're plugging in too much. If there was any one tip, I was dealing a group with Common Sense Media last night and I told parents, first tip, teach your child, age two, always look at the color of the talker's eyes. What will happen is the child automatically starts tuning into your face, which is the best toy you can give to your kids at a, in an infant level. Mm-hmm. And uh, it'll also help them learn assertive body language, which is chapter eight. And that is helping to learn the moral courage. If you hold your head up, you actually le- use body confident body language mm-hmm. and you'll be less likely to be victimized out on the playground. Yeah. Well, and that makes me think about, so when we I work with teachers up here and we talk about attachment and the building blocks of the brain and just going back to that infant scenario. So a baby in a stroller who's crying and a parent that gets real close and makes that little face and says, oh, I know it's so hard to be in the stroller. You're okay. And like even right now, my face is kind of scrunched up and my voice changes versus somebody standing and maybe pushing the stroller back and forth as they scroll their phone and not really responding in a way that is demonstrating to the child. I love the term feeling felt. Yeah, I do too. 
I think I got that from Dan Siegel, but I love that concept of of helping them to feel felt because when we feel felt, we're able we're ever more able to shift from that emotional state into a place of more logical prefrontal cortex. I can problem solve this. This person is safe and all that good stuff. Oh, it's so simple too. It does. It sounds complicated, but oh my gosh, one of the most amazing stories I had as a teacher was watching a a little guy who was just the most wonderfully empathetic kid. And I remember him making these this card for his mom. He was cutting out 50,000 hearts. And I said, is it her birthday? And he goes, no. I said, what are you making her a card for? She always makes my feelings feel so good. Well, I couldn't Aww. wait to meet them. Exactly. Couldn't wait to meet the mother. Within seconds of this mother walking into the classroom, I knew what she did to make her feel his Ricky's feelings feel so good. She just went over to him, 30 seconds, you know, just got down eyeball, eyeball to level and just started rephrasing his emotions. Oh, Rick, you look so happy. Oh, your face looks so happy. Oh, you mm-hmm. look like you have such joy. Oh, you must be so proud. She was just reframing and re-saying emotions within two seconds. The kid was just an absolute bubble. Right. And absolutely fabulous. And we are doing that far more with our daughters than we are with our sons which was a fascinating concept. All Every piece of unselfie was just looking at what the science says. So let's just talk, just talk me uh, feelings more with your kids. Mm-hmm. Turn off the TV every once in a while or the sound and do feeling charades. How does she feel? What does she look like? Uh, go with those wonderful picture books. Have them in your lap. Oh, make your face look like Sally. Oh, have you ever felt like that? Mm-hmm. We start that. The seeds when our children are young but then we stop doing it as our children become teens and we do need to do that far more. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, and I love that because it becomes, you know, the opportunities and the possibility opens up when we consider how many different places there are throughout our day with our children to notice to, you know, to notice what's happening, like you said, with characters on a show or in a storybook. You know, it's not just one more thing to be doing. It's really easy to integrate with what's already happening right out in our world. Exactly. One of the questions I always get for parents is the, how am I going to have more time to do this? And I said, look, Unselfie has 300 proven activities in it. Don't go doing them all or your kid will never let you read (laughs) another book. But you choose one that you think will work for you and your family and just start doing it. If you start doing it, it'll become more and more natural. If you do it about a minute a day for about 21 days, it'll become a habit. Mm -hmm. Remind your most verbal kid that that's what you're working on and you'll always go, Mommy, we're working on that. Remember, we're supposed to be doing that. And pretty soon what will happen is not only will it impact your parenting, it will spin over and your child will pick it up because the best way to learn any habit is for you to model it with your Mm -hmm. child. Don't tell him. Show him. And then you can work on the next or the next. There's crucial, crucial, wonderful habits that I just kept kept trying to pick up but also uh, show parents in on selfie. So that you, your child can stand up to a bully, your child can listen better, he'll tune in, all of those. You just choose one and keep modeling it and you'll see the difference. I love that suggestion too, to let your kids in on what you're working on. I think that can become so powerful and it's also such a great example that our work is never done, that the grownups you know, in their life are continuing to try to be better, do better show up better for the people that they love. I think that's such a great 
little side lesson that shows up when we say, hey, you know, this is what I'm noticing about myself. This is what I'm going to start working on. And I'd love your help in reminding me. Yep. Some parents put a little refrigerator reminder on the just a piece of paper with here's the habit we're working on. And what happens at the beginning, you are the reminder, but pretty soon your kids will point to it and become the reminder. Because the reality is the best way to parent is so that your kids can live someday without you. Mm-hmm. So that means all these habits, just like learning your ABCs or one, two, threes or whatever, need practice. So practice one little habit over and over again until your child doesn't need your reminding and then add the next one and the next one. And what you'll actually be doing is building human capital. We do everything in terms of the opposite side of the report card, but we don't do nearly enough to help build our children's just human side. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, and and just, I love empathy and um, I coach and I write about it a lot. And I often, you know, parents, they want this Sometimes, you know, they'll want the script. Well, what do I say in this situation? What do I say in this situation? And with empathy, I think it goes so much deeper, and we've touched on that, than just what we say. And I love – and so I, what I do and I, and I encourage parents to do is to start to explore what empathy feels like inside of their body, right? Because just, you know, if it's seen as a technique – to, you know, helping kids when they're having a tantrum, the power of it gets lost. But when we can, because often, you know, (laughs) depending on where we are during that tantrum, it is hard to feel empathetic for that child. So we really need to, what I encourage parents to do is to really drop into their body, what does empathy feel like, right? What does it feel like inside their body? What does it look like to the child? And then, then the words can come. Um, But what do you, how do you support parents with finding empathy, especially when the situation in front of them seems so illogical? (laughs) Well, I think the most important thing on that one is we also overlook something and that is the the fifth habit of empathy is self-regulation. It works really well unless you can just take a moment to take a pause or help your child learn to dial, you know, dial down the, the stress levels, what happens is that actually empathy in us and our kids gets dialed down. And we're finding that over and over again. We're the most stressed out generation, of, in fact, the children are, but so too are the parents. So it's very hard to empathize when you're in stress mode. You have to find as a parent one way to either, are you going to take the deep breath? In fact, one of the best ways I tell kids is, you got to do something. You want to get instant relief. Take a deep, slow breath from way deep down in your tummy. Feel the breath. Hold it for two. And then feel the breath come out of your nose. It's called a one-two count. What they've actually discovered scientifically, uh, and I learned this from Tibet, which I was interviewing monks in Tibet. Oh, cool. They have the greatest, uh, more compassion. And the parts of their brain are enormously compassionate based on University of Madison studies, the Dalai Lama actually flew some of his monks over so that they could measure them. And what they discovered is it's because they do deep breathing and meditation so much that the parts of the brain that are very highly part of where compassion is, is so far superior to the normal person's brain because they've been working on it. What that tells us is maybe one thing during the summer or one thing every time is if you could do anything, teach your kid, just breathe, Mm -hmm. just breathe. And the child will pretty soon learn that it's called ABCs. I 
I, a is be aware that you're starting to get stressed because you're maybe your hands are in little fists or mommy you're taking that deep breath or you start to feel your blood pressure in your head whatever it is be aware of it mm-hmm. be take the breath just breathe it's the fastest relaxation process you can do if you do it right because it actually triggers your vagus nerve three is now figure out what you can do to stay calm it could be listen to music. It could be walk away. It could be sing a, or hum a song in your bread or say, calm down, calm down. What I've discovered is not one technique works. You've got to figure out what works for you. But if you practice ABCs, it'll mm-hmm. actually help you stay calm, be more empathetic with your child. And it keeps kids from creating what's called the empathy gap. They feel it, but they don't act on it because they're too overwhelmed and they're in survival mode, so they tune out their empathy. Oh, the brain is so fascinating to me. Uh, one thing that my one of my mentors taught me too, and, and another colleague of mine who's a school psychologist is either for breathe, teaching young kids breath, and I think the listeners will find this helpful too, is either the birthday cake breath where you take yeah. in a big deep breath and then you blow out the birthday candles or um or or imagine holding a cup of hot chocolate and it's so hot and you breathe in the smell and then you breathe out into the hot chocolate to cool it down and think about you know how many breaths is it going to take for this hot chocolate to be cooled off so i think those you know can serve as really good visuals for parents as they're teaching their kids about what deep breathing feels like and gives them kind of a visual to anchor into when they need it as well. And I love what you said about one technique not working for everyone. With my son, um, we made a, a little wheel. He was six at the time and everything had to be a spinner. So it was like a pie shape and he came up you know, in conversation about self-regulation and what helps you feel better. He came up with six different things, including looking at books or getting a hug or listening to music, like you said, um, six different things that he could try. And But what really became helpful is when I would encourage him to go look at your anger wheel and see what will help you right now. What actually helped him regulate was the spinner was sitting down and spinning it, and then he didn't like what it landed on, so he spun it again, you know, and then through this process, even before he got, sometimes, even before he got to the, you know, the the thing that would help him, he was already on his way back to a regulated brain and body, which is really cool and something that I always suggest to parents to try with their kids who have big, huge emotions. Yeah, I, I so agree with him. There is a, the self-regulation chapter has from glitter jars mm-hmm. to inner wheels to try bubble blowers to smell the flower and then blow it out. All kinds of techniques. The most fun one I saw was um, it's just belly breathing, but it's putting your a little one down on the floor with a stuffed animal on their tummy so mm-hmm. they can feel the animal going up. Oh, make the little froggy feel like he's really up, up, up. Now let it out real slowly. And they really got the feel tone of it. There's also sections in there that show you how to breathe with your child, even uh, back to back, so that you can feel your breath go back and back. Because a lot of children have a real tough time getting that what that breath feels like once they get it. 
oh my gosh, it kicks in and they can use it anywhere. It's the best thing to teach a teen. Uh, girls told me yoga is extremely helpful for them and they love it when moms in the block or their own moms get a DVD tape on a yoga tape and they do yoga together. They said they have, somebody is finally teaching me how to stress, get the stress at bay. That's the biggest yeah. thing is we're not teaching kids coping strategies. They have this wonderful ability to empathize, but a lot of them are now having guilt and feeling shame because they, they felt it, but they couldn't do anything because the stress was too built up. There's also sections in there on teaching kids that, hey, maybe you can't do anything at the moment for that friend, but it's a, it's a habit called heart. What are five things you can do after? Like you could call him, you could tell him you didn't deserve that, or I'm so sorry that happened to me, or would you like me to go with you to report it to the teacher? Ways that you can help your empathetic child keep his empathy open and not down so that he has that opportunity to, to just do good for another. Well, I love your take on um, the tendency for parents, especially of young kids, to want their child to say, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And it has to be a real, yes, but we have to make it genuine, obviously. But how wonderful, if it's not just enough to say the words, what we're also trying to do is, so what will you do if you want to apologize to somebody and make it better so that there are amends to it? Yeah. And I think that's a big piece to keep your heart open so that you don't get into the habit of eh, just walking off and, and uh, <laughs> not doing anything to take care of somebody else's heart. Well, and something that I have been known to suggest too is when a situation happens, especially with like preschool age kids and somebody's been hurt emotionally, physically, whatever, I tend to encourage parents to with, you know, an arm around their child and maybe a hand on the shoulder of the other, I'm so say out the words out loud, I am so sorry that you got hurt. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Ko, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought provoking experts and friends at Mindful Mama. We know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. And then look at their child and say, what do you, you know, either, do you notice that our friend looks sad or 
what are your ideas about what might make him feel better? Or even asking the hurt child, what might make you feel better right now? Versus you need to say you're sorry. Yeah. And I love the technique you're using because what we know from, from all of the work with kids, role-playing or doing it on the spot or redoing it, freeze, mm -hmm. don't move, let's do that again, on the spot is the teachable moment. And that's what will, the next time when the child isn't with you, he now has that mantra, that script to be able to figure out, here's what I can do. Yeah. Yes. I'm all about the role-playing and the practicing. We do a lot of that at my house. What do you think? So if you were going to say, you know, my listeners, you're out there. I love you. Thank you for tuning in. Um, and if they're sitting there thinking like, hmm, okay, well, this is a lot of information. And like you said, I'm so excited to get my hands on your book. You have tons of tips and strategies in, in Unselfie. But for listeners today, if they were going to take maybe two or three baby steps towards this practice of modeling, teaching, practicing empathy, what would be the starting points that you would suggest for them? I think number there's a there's several of them and I found because many parents are struggling with this. First thing I found that was really helpful, there's called change maker parenting groups that are starting up. Just a couple of like-minded parents who are concerned about the same issue of empathy and how do we raise it. And what they do is, you know, they have wine and cheese, they get together and they talk about it. Mm -hmm. Or they read a, a book club. Maybe they're reading on selfie together and then they're discussing what can we do. In fact, there's a parenting book guide that goes with it. Ooh, cool. I created for Harvard. Uh, on for educators on how you create unselfie schools and it was so successful on embedding it because what happened is when you talk about it with somebody together it really helps second thing is think big but start small you can go through unselfie and you can say okay here's a lot of things here but what's the one thing that's going to work for me and my child to just get the momentum going chapter four is real fun moral imagination good old wonderful children's literary works we now know is one of the best ways to charge empathy. Don't stop reading out loud to your child. Mm -hmm. The age we stop reading out loud to our child is around nine. Age nine is when our kids stop reading out loud for pleasure. Charlotte's Web, Stone Fox, Wednesday Surprise, all of those are glorious. Yes, you'll need Kleenex to get through it. <laughs> what we know is that it actually activates your child's that, that little part of their their lives called empathy, it starts to open up their heart and it becomes an incredible discussion guide for you. You can start with film nights too, but be selective of the kind of film nights. Go to Common Sense Media. They have a wonderful whole different repertoire of here's kinds of movies age by age that open up kids' hearts or empathy. But as you watch it, make sure at the end you discuss it. Oh my gosh, did you feel that little boy in, you know, the boy in the striped pajamas? Oh, so what can we do to make a difference? Maybe keep a box by your front door that's nothing more as a reminder that you want to be a more charitable family and help your child think of others. If you have a gently used toy or you're all done with that book or that game, put it in the box and it's all filled. Let's go together and drop it off so it's face-to-face -face conversation and connection that child's heart opens up. Mm. Or go through and find the one habit. There's dozens of them in here that I've done from working over 30 years with all kinds of kids all over the world. But these are the habits the kids said they wanted somebody to teach them and, and just work on one habit at a time. Maybe it's nothing more than starting with digital free time in your own home. 
because what that does, if you just say, hey, from six to seven or whenever, maybe you can start with just 10 minutes if you're really you know, hooked on it all and then stretch it. That's the time when we're going to look at each other and enjoy each other's company. And you'll, oh, be, I love that. you'll begin to just find a real difference. Uh, and once that conversation starts, then your child will be able to tell you the kind of habits they need, like this bullying happening. Mm-hmm. Then go to teaching them bystander skills. There's dozens of them. They're real easy. Uh, I, I did them all on Dateline specials. And the number one viewer that always would email me and thank me were middle school kids. Mm. Nobody's teaching us this stuff. Thank you. So it's so great. Right. Yeah. Because we tell them, don't, you know, the power of the bystander, don't let these things happen. But we're not necessarily saying, like, how do we stand up for each other in a way that that makes us feel empowered versus, oh, gosh, I don't want to be the next victim. Yeah, and there's it's called Bully Buster, B-U-S-T-E-R, six skills that you can teach kids depending upon how safe or unsafe you feel. And if you don't feel safe, then the easiest way is get the audience off of the bully because that's what the bully is looking for. You can mm-hmm. just quietly walk around the other way. You can go report it to a teacher or you can ask a couple other kids to join you because what you'll do is start helping that child the last thing that's the hardest thing is to be able to go up to a kid and say, stop doing that. That's mean. That's very, very difficult. Mm-hmm. They'd say that's next to impossible. But what I did is I looked at all bystander mentality strategies, uh, starting with the top researchers in the world on it. And we realized most adults don't help. So don't mm-hmm. point to the kids. Here's what we need to teach them very specific things they can do in situations, all kinds of situations. Michelle, what an incredible offer and gift this book is for parents and for teachers and for all sorts of grown-ups that work with kids. Thank you so much for coming on and talking about it on the podcast. Oh, you're so welcome. I think this is the one piece we all got to get on board together and realize if our empathy is going down in our children, then empathy is always a we thing. Yeah. Let's get on board together just one by one and start realizing that Empathy matters. And if we really want a more humane society for our children, this is the one trait we better start working on. Yes, 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 yes. So my last question, you know that my business name is Joyful Courage. So I always like to end my interviews with my guests by asking them, what does Joyful Courage mean to you? Oh my gosh, it's the most wonderful concept you could possibly imagine. Because what I realize is that when you do have courage, and I'm talking moral courage, to be able to stand up and do something and uh, take the path the right way, it actually brings you the most joy. And that is confirmed by research. We are back doing it by giving kids things. When in reality, when you build them from the inside out and they realize they can give back to others, that's where real joy comes in. It does take a little courage, but you put the two together and, oh, that's the real miracle point of your heart opening for another. Yay. Awesome. Well, listeners, there's a lot that showed up in this conversation. I'm going to make sure that there's links to Common Sense Media, which I love Common Sense Media. What an amazing tool for parents that is. So I will make sure there's a link in the show notes to that. I will make sure there's a link to your where they can buy your book. And where else can people, can listeners find you, follow you, and um, take advantage of all you are to the world? 
Oh, thank you. My website is michelleborba.com. I'm one L girl. So it's M-I-C-H-E-L-E-B-O-R-B-A. It has over 500 blogs on there. And as this book launch takes off, we're going to be starting a conversation on how to raise more empathetic change maker type of kids. There'll be lots of ideas on there. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Michelle Borba. I, I tweet out dozens of ideas all day long. Uh, my Facebook is Dr. at Facebook, Dr. Michelle Borba, and you will find book discussion guides, everything there. Maybe you can link to that so that people can just know there are resources available. Let's make a difference on kids' lives. Awesome. I will make sure that all of those places, your website, your Twitter, and your Facebook page are all linked in the show notes. Michelle, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Another amazing conversation with an amazing human being doing incredible work for families. I am so honored by each and every guest that comes on to talk to me about this parenting journey. I'm so honored and grateful for every single one of you who tunes in and listens each week and lets me know, lets me know how powerful it is for you and how helpful and valuable you find the podcast. I love you guys. And if you have a moment, will you do me a favor? Will you head over to iTunes and leave me a review just so that other people can know how fabulous the podcast is and, you know, I can keep doing it. All the links mentioned in the conversation will be in the show notes, including a link to Michelle's book and a link for the family meeting e-course that I mentioned at the beginning of the show. So I know you kind of probably are noticing that I'm doing a little bit of commercialing at the beginning of each show. So here's the deal. I love podcasting, but it takes time. And I gotta make some money too. So I hope that you don't mind that I use this podcast and your attention and promote. Promote my things um, and other products and services that I find valuable in the future. So just just deal with it. I'm sorry, but you know, I want this to be more of just more than just a hobby. I want this to be something that, you know, allows me to contribute to my family as well. So hopefully you're not offended by my selling at the beginning, but just know I will never promote anything that I don't 100% believe in, trust, value. All right. So uh, yeah, loving you guys, loving each of you. Have a beautiful day today and lots of connected, loving times with your family. Until the next time, I am in your ears again. Big, huge love to each of you. Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. <laughs> well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? 
And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.